Philippians chapter number 1. In this portion of Scripture, Paul dealing with some things, and this morning I believe he makes it very clear. Uh, the, 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 the people are concerned about Paul. The people are worried about Paul. He's been thrown into prison. He's facing some uncertain circumstances. They're not pleasant. They're not something that anyone would want to go through. And while the people are concerned about Paul, Paul very simply, it's as though in this portion of Scripture, he pauses for a few moments, and he, it's as though he were shaking a child and saying, Look at me. Focus. Pay attention. Press on. I remember growing up and playing in sports, and and I remember there would be certain times whenever the coach would call a timeout, and he'd just look at us and he'd say, what are you doing? Why aren't you doing the simple things? Why aren't you making the right passes? Why aren't you doing the... He'd say, pay attention. And he'd he'd just reel us in. Could I encourage you this morning? It's as though as we look around at the world's conditions and we get our eyes fixed on all of the problems, it's as though the Lord is trying to shake some Christians and saying, quit getting your eyes fixed on that and look at me focused this morning. Paul here in this portion of Scripture, look with me as you look in verse number 15. He begins to deal with some of this. And as you look back and you study the first chapter of the book of Philippians, you see that Paul jumps right into it. Some of you may have shown up to the house of God this morning and you're saying, my joy is no longer there. I no longer enjoy the things that I once enjoyed. I no longer serve like I once served. I no longer uh, am active like I once was. You begin to blame all of the circumstances. And the Lord's sitting there saying, hold up now. I wanted you to serve. You stopped. Hold up now. I wanted you to be happy, but you're looking at all of the problems of the world and all of your circumstances and you're blaming those things instead of resting in me. You see, if there was one that we look at and we say, hey, he could have quit, Paul could have quit at any given time. I mean, he's in prison. And it wasn't like the prisons of today where you get a meal each time and it's kind of you get this nice cozy bed or anything like that. I mean, this was nasty. It was filthy. It was, it was disgusting. It was freezing. And it was, I mean, it was just, it smelled terrible. It wasn't a pleasant experience. Paul could have said, I'm done. This is the final straw. Beaten. I'm tired of being beaten. Mocked. I'm tired of being mocked. I'm in prison. I'm tired of being in prison. Lord, I've done enough. I'm, I'm finished with this. But notice what he says. In verse number 15, he says, Some indeed preach Christ, even of envy and strife. Some also of goodwill. The one preach Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. Now, pausing for just a moment, I want you to notice this statement right here that he says in verse number 18. He says, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice. Now, let me, let me just pause for just a moment, because in this portion of Scripture, Paul is, is making mention of those who are preaching... Uh, and and he's, he's judging their motives. Their motives are not necessarily something that, that is accurate in the sense of they're preaching for the right reason. He also makes the other comparison of those who are preaching of goodwill, those who are preaching of love. And he says they're doing it with the right intentions. They love the Lord. They love people. They're wanting to see lives change. But the others, their motives are a little bit sketchy, if you would. But he says, instead of focusing on all of those problems, he, he very well could have just focused and said, man, what are they doing? Why are they preaching this way? What are, they, what are they thinking? And he could have harped on that. Notice what he says. He says, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice. I therein do rejoice. There are problems in our nation today. That's obvious. There are problems in churches. 
Some of you have uh, problems in your own homes or in your own personal lives or in your workplaces or whatever the case might be. We all have problems. And it's as though in those problems, sometimes we begin to, to elaborate on all those and we get so fixated on all of the problems and all of the issues and all of the situations that we don't take joy in. And we begin to, to harp on those things. And in 2022, it's as though the Lord is shaking some Christians and saying, focus on me. Why are you, why are you so fixated on this when you should be fixated on me? Why are you so focused on all of this when... I'm still working right here. I'm still the same God I was whenever everything was great. And even though things might not be great for you right now, I'm still that same God. As faithful as I was when times were great, I'm still faithful when times are bad. Focus on me. You see, we, we, we begin in our, in our Christianity sometimes, if we're not careful, we begin to leave out all of the basics. And we stop reading our Bibles and we stop going to church faithfully. We stop spending time in prayer. We stop serving because we say, well, you just don't understand all of the problems that I have going on. Just because you have problems doesn't mean you neglect the Lord. Matter of fact, in the midst of those problems, you should run to the Lord. In the midst of those difficulties, you should run to the Lord and say, Lord, more than ever, I need you. You know, I'm thankful that even in the midst of the valleys and in those times whenever the, the, the waves seem to be overshadowing, the waves continue to, to barrel through you and it hurts and it, it's not pleasant times that I can look back on those occasions and say the Lord was still good. The Lord was still good. As you come to this portion of Scripture, I want you to notice three things that stand out when it comes to Paul. And you see, Paul was focused on the Lord. And this morning, it might be as though the Lord is right, as we would say, right up in your grill. Many of you played sports, and the, the coach would say, get up in his grill. What that meant was, if you were especially playing uh, basketball or football, that meant you, you, you get up under him. I mean, you, you're, you're there, you're shadowing, every, and it's as though maybe for some of you, you've come to the house of God, and the Lord is right up in your grill. And he's shaking you and saying, it's time to focus. It's time to look to me. It's time to, to get it together. You ever been in a situation where you were with someone who was panicking? And maybe you're the cool person. And it's a, it, it, when I say cool, I mean not cool, but you know, you're the calm, collected person. Uh, but in that situation, that person is panicking, and you're sitting over there like, chill out. It's fine. Everything's going to be okay. Calm down. And maybe this morning the Lord's doing that right this very moment for you. Calm down. It's going to be okay. Look with me. Three things we see. Number one, Paul. Paul was dependent upon the Lord. This morning as we deal with this, as you begin to think about your own dependence, who are you depending on? What are you depending on? If we're not careful, in some occasions we'll begin to depend on our own abilities. We'll begin to depend on our own uh, uh, attributes and what we think we can do and what we think we can accomplish or our own experiences. We say, oh, we've been through this before. We can handle it now. We begin to depend on all of these other things. Notice Paul here in this portion of Scripture, and especially in the book of Philippians, Paul, as he finds himself in prison, he is saying, hey, even in the midst of all of that, I'm depending upon the Lord. I'm looking to God. He's never failed me before, so why would he fail me now? Verse number 19, For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supplication of the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always... So now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul's dependence was upon the Lord. 
In verses 15, 16, 17, and 18, he begins to make reference to those who are preaching what we would say, uh, a not necessarily a false gospel, but they were preaching and they were not doing so in the right motive, if you would, not with the right intentions. And he goes on in verse number 15 and he says this, Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife. That word envy here, it speaks to be nauseated at the sight of good or excellence. To be nauseated at that. Now, some of you might have been in this situation where you have been serving the Lord and you've been doing what the Lord has called you to do and you've been in the presence of those that whenever they see the work of God moving forward, they're disgusted by it. And it's not always those who hate the Lord. Sometimes it's the Christians too. Matter of fact, that's what's taking place here. The preachers are nauseated at this. As he goes on in verse number 15, he says, Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife, some also of goodwill. As he's dealing with those who preach of envy and strife, he is dealing with those who could not rejoice in the Lord blessing others. And so they were so jealous and they were so captivated by what God was doing there that they were envious of all that. They were nauseated by it. They couldn't handle it. They didn't like it. And so Paul begins to make mention of this, and as he is talking about this, he uses the word envy, and he also uses the word strife. That word strife speaks of engaging in a squabble or a quarrel. Fussing, if you would. These, these individuals have begun to, to squabble or to fuss over the silliness, if you would, of disagreements. I was talking just the other day, and we were, we were, I, was ta- I can't remember who it was, but I had mentioned, you know, there are a lot of times that we, we look, open the Word of God, and we, you know, we... If we're not careful, we begin to pick apart ministries and preachers and pastors and, and Christians, and we say, oh, I don't like this person because of this. I don't like this ministry because of this. I don't like this pastor. I don't like this preacher. I like, you know, we, we love to talk about how much we love the Paul of the Bible and the Peter of the Bible. Can I just be completely honest with you? In, in, many, in many cases, Peter was a loudmouth. Peter was a little bit bold. Peter was a little bit obnoxious. And some of you, as you hear those, you, th- you begin to think, you know what, I might not have liked Peter. <laughs> Paul was a little bit blunt. Paul would have got up in your grill, if we were to use that term again, and said, hey, the reason you're unhappy is because of this. The reason the Lord's not using you is because of this. The reason you're facing all these hardships is because of this, and you'd be offended. You probably wouldn't like Paul. But we love to talk about how much we love them in the Bible. And there are preachers who have different personalities. There are churches who have different personalities. There are situations, and there are all of that. And in this portion of Scripture, they begin to critique each other. And they begin to, to, to squabble, and they begin to, to, to fuss about all of the differences, and they cannot rejoice in those blessings. I don't know about you, and, and this is something that I, I pray, and, and I pray sincerely about this, that the Lord would, would allow me to be a, a, an encouragement to preachers. Preachers get discouraged easily. You know why? Because when you, you give your life to the Lord and you want to see lives change and the lives don't want to change, it's a hard thing. Preachers get discouraged sometimes and it's especially discouraging whenever you begin to hear that other preachers are critiquing other preachers and other ministries are critiquing other ministries and other Christians are fussing at other Christians all over the silliness. Let me ask you this question. When was the last time instead of criticizing someone you prayed for them? When was the last time, instead of looking at someone's life and saying, you know what, they ought not be doing this, you took them to the Lord and said, Lord, bless them today, encourage them today, help them today. We're so easy to criticize and we're so easy to squabble and we're so easy to fuss about all of these things. And Paul is saying, hey, it'd be very easy for me to fuss about these things. But in verse number 18, he says this, 
Christ is preached, and there, I, the I therein do rejoice. Personality different? Probably. Circumstances different? Absolutely. Church ministry different? Yes. But Christ is preached. Is, it the, is, is Christ being preached the way you would preach? No, Christ is being preached. Is it the way we do it? No, Christ is being preached. That's what he's trying to focus now. What's the, what's the main thing here? At the beginning of the year, every single year that we have the leadership meeting, one of the things we make reference to is this. Keep the main thing the main thing. What is the main thing? That Christ be magnified. Jesus Christ. Bringing people to the Lord. Keep the main thing the main thing. And he begins to make reference to all this. He uses those words of envy and strife and of contention. That word contention, it begins to speak of those who were not preaching with sincerity, but rather pretense. They were trying to add the afflictions to the life of Paul. Paul's in prison. They're trying to cause more issues. But Paul, it's as though, as they're trying to do that, it's as though Paul is hearing about this as he's in prison. He's just smiling. They don't even realize it, but Paul's just rejoicing because, hey, Christ is still being preached. You're trying to cause issues in my life, but, hey, the Lord's being, Lord, God, the gospel's moving forward. And Paul is trying to calm the church of Philippi, and he's saying, hey, focus. It's okay. It's fine. He goes on and speaks of those who preach with charity of love, if you would. He says of goodwill, those who preach to see the lives changed. Love, speaking of their motivation, these individuals love souls. Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter number 13, verses 1 through 4, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and of not charity, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunt, uh, vaunteth not itself and is not puffed up. This morning, do you love souls? This morning, do you love the Lord? This morning, as you begin to think about that word love and you begin to think about all that God has done for you, when was the last time instead of uh, criticizing someone that you said, Lord, help me to love that person? When was the last time that instead of getting so frustrated and annoyed with another Christian or a brother or sister in Christ, you said, Lord, help me to love them even though we're different? As we were in Sunday school, we had 32 in our new members class this morning as we were talking about that. 32 different personalities. I don't know about you, but there's a pretty good chance out of those 32 personalities, you stick all of us in a room for about a week, can't leave, you might have some different personalities begin to show. You might have some disagreements begin to show because of certain things or personalities, whatever the case might be. But instead of writing each other off, we could say, Lord, help me to love them. Help me to love them. These preachers, these individuals love souls. And he says in verse number 15, some also of goodwill. So Paul is giving the, the illustration here. He's saying, hey, some preach with motives that were not great. And some preach with motives that were geared towards seeing lives changed. And they love souls. But both preach Christ. And he goes on and he begins to deal with this. And that word know here that you begin to see. He goes on in verse number 15. Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife. Some also of goodwill. The one preach Christ of contention not sincerely trying to add affliction to my bonds. But the other of love knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then notwithstanding every way whether in pretense or in truth Christ is preached. And I therein do rejoice. Yea. And will rejoice. Look at me at verse number 19. It says this. For I know 
Now look, there, there's a lot that Paul, as you go and you study the life of Paul, you begin to see that he is making reference to certain passages and times in his own life. And this statement right here, for I know that word, this, if you would, he says, for I know that this shall turn to my salvation. Is a direct revelation to Romans 8.28 when he says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are called according to his purpose. Now, how in the midst of, of imprisonment can you look back and say, hey, I know everything's going to be okay? Why? Because he was focused on the Lord. His dependence was upon the Lord. Listen, I, I'm going to be honest. Some of you have some difficult circumstances. Some of you are facing some hardships. Some of you are facing some uncertain circumstances and, and difficult seasons and difficult times in your life. But can I also share with you that while all that may be true, God, God is, is still, still present. present. And God is still good. And God is still there. And God still wants to work. And God still wants to take all of the evil, as you see in this statement right here, when he is talking about those who are, who are preaching with the wrong intentions and those who are preaching with the right, it's as though Paul is saying, hey, God can take anything that is with the wrong intentions and make it good. Christ is still preached. And he is making references. As you begin to think about this, Paul was not moved by the intentions of others. He was not moved by the circumstances that he found himself in. He was not moved by all of the problems because his focus was ultimately on the Lord. His dependence was on God. What are you depending upon this morning? As you come to verse number 19, he goes on and says, For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but I am so thankful for the Holy Spirit's working in my life. I'm so grateful for what God has done in my life. And I remember sitting in that, that church camp and accepting Christ as my personal Savior, and my life has never been the same since. I'm thankful that now I can look back and see how the Holy Spirit was dealing with my parents and helping them to make the right decision to move from Columbus, Indiana to Columbus, Georgia. And I can now look back and see how the Lord was directing me and guiding me and, and putting some people in my life and, and helping me to make the right decisions as I yielded my life to the Lord. I remember those times whenever I was unsure about some things and I had to depend on the Lord. I remember coming to, to Clarksville, Tennessee and not knowing what the Lord had for us. And as we came here, all of a sudden I was being asked to pastor the church. And I said, hold up, I don't want to. And all of a sudden we had to depend on the Lord and say, Lord, show us what you have for us. I remember just a few months ago whenever all of a sudden this property came up and we had to depend on the Lord to, to guide us through it. And guess what? Every single time, I don't know about you, but every single time that I have found myself depending upon the Lord, He's never steered me in the wrong way. He's never steered me in the wrong way. Does that mean the circumstances are always what I, I thought they would be? No. But just because you might endure some hardships or difficult circumstances doesn't mean that God made a mistake. There's some times whenever He begins to sharpen you in those seasons. It's a time whenever he begins to form some things in your life in those seasons. It's a time whenever he begins to reveal himself in a greater and deeper way in those seasons. Personal experiences in those seasons begin to, to be made evident in your life and you begin to grow in those seasons. And Paul is making reference here as he says, through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit's working in my life. I'm thankful that in Scripture we find that He's a companion. In John 14, 16 it says, And I will pray the Father and He shall give you another comforter that He may abide with you forever. 
The Holy Spirit gives us courage to live daily. John 15, 26 and 27. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceeded from the Father, he shall testify of me. And he also shall bear witness because ye have been with me from the beginning. The Holy Spirit praying for us. Romans 8, 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groaning which cannot be uttered. His care for us in Philippians 4.19, But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. I don't know about you, but whenever I hear all of those many things, I look at my own life, I say, I don't deserve that. But that's just how good God is. And Paul is saying, hey, quit focusing on all the problems that I'm facing. Don't focus on the imprisonment. Don't focus on the the circumstances. Don't focus on those who are preaching a false gospel or those who are preaching a gospel that is is they're, they're preaching with the wrong intentions. Don't focus on all of those things. Look up. Focus on the Lord. It's as though he pauses and he just shakes them and says, Hey, get it together now. Pull yourself together now. Verse number 19, For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit. Of Jesus Christ. Number one, Paul's dependence was on the Lord. Where's your dependence this morning? Have you placed your dependence on, on circumstances being pleasant? Have you placed your dependence upon your own abilities and your own talents and your own circumstances that you have been through that you say, hey, I have all of the, the, the intentions of doing right because I've been through this before. Hold up now. Every circumstance is different. Every season is different, no matter how much it looks alike. Number two, Paul was determined for the Lord. Paul was determined for the Lord. The thing that I love about Paul in this portion of Scripture is Paul recognizes that he had a greater people to reach and a greater people to care for than the people that were causing issues. He had a greater God to serve and a greater God to worship than those who were trying to cause issues and help cause him to go this way and focus on all of that. It helps me to go back to the book of Nehemiah whenever Nehemiah is doing a great work and he's rebuilding the walls and all of a sudden the enemy shows up and they want to have a meeting with him. And he just kind of sends word down. He says, why should I come down? You don't mean any good for me. I don't have any business to meet with you. There's no need for me to come down from this wall. I'm doing a great work. Paul recognizes he was doing something for the Lord. He didn't have time to give to all the the quarrels and the squabbling. Number two, we see this. As you look in verse number 22, he was completely determined for the Lord. According to my earnest expectation, again, that, remember, that word earnest ex- expectation speaks of that highest opinion. He goes on and says, In my hope, that's that speaking of that godly anticipation, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness... Now, Paul, he's not holding back. He's With all boldness, he's going to say what needs to be said, but he's going to do it in the right spirit. And there's a message in and of itself. You know, there's a lot that the Bible speaks of. But that doesn't give preachers, that doesn't give Christians, that doesn't give missionaries, that doesn't give evangelists the opportunity just because the Word of God says it to be a jerk about it. You can still preach truth in love. You can speak truth in love. You can share the gospel in love. You can help someone understand, hey, God loves you, but he hates your sin. And Paul is dealing with this, and he says, With all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, and whether it be by life or by death. That statement, Christ shall be magnified, speaks of Paul's eyes being fixed on the Lord. 
It wasn't about Paul. Paul could care less if he was magnified. Matter of fact, you're going to see here in a few moments that in this portion of Scripture, Paul makes reference to the simple fact that he's ready to go. I mean, he's ready to pass on. He says very simply, hey, I'm ready to go, but it's more needful for me to stay here. I'm ready to pass, but the Lord sees fit to keep me here, so I guess I might as well serve him. Right? And Paul goes on in verse number 21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I choose, I what not. For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. I think we all can agree on that. Oh, what a day that'll be. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith. Now your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. Paul was determined for the Lord. This statement of expectation speaks of him looking away from. He's ignoring all the other interests. His eyes are fixed on the Lord. Very simply, he's focused on one task at hand, and that is the will of God for his life. Many Christians, if we're not careful, we begin to become consumed with all of the the different hobbies or all of the different things of this world that it has to offer that we miss the will of God for our lives. Now listen, I love some golf. I love some basketball. I love some Alabama football. I love a Jeep. I love all of these things. But I also have the calling on my life. And may I never get to the place where I put all of those other things in place of the calling of my life that God has placed on my life. And there's just something special about doing the will of God and knowing you're doing the will of God. There's just something about being in the center of God's will and just having a complete peace, knowing that this is what God has for you. And Paul, while he is in a straight betwixt, he is saying this very simply. He is having this statement right here. For I'm in a straight betwixt to having a desire to part and to be with Christ, which is far better Hey, this is what I want to do. Nevertheless, to abide, with, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. Paul understood that why he might want that, the will of God for his life was to stay. Now, I've told you this before. If it were my choice and I, if, I, if it was my will that I was choosing, I wouldn't be pastoring right this very moment. Now, God has given me a desire, and God has put it in my heart, and there's a, a, a burning desire within my heart to pastor, and specifically to pastor this church. But if I had it my way, I wouldn't be pastoring. I'd probably be doing something in the youth ministry or something with young people because I love young people. That would be my will. And it's as though Paul is saying, hey, this is what I desire, but this is what the will of God for my life is. Can I ask you this question this morning? One of the, the, the spots of the Christian life that we oftentimes find ourselves concerning the crossroads is this. Every single one of us has desires. And we have the will of God. And the crossroads comes where we have to make the decision, am I going to fulfill my desires or am I going to fulfill the will of God for my life? And far too often, Christians find themselves miserable because they're not fulfilling the will of God for their life. They're not doing anything bad. They're not doing anything evil. not doing anything corrupt. But just because it's not corrupt, just because it's not evil, just because it's not a bad thing doesn't mean that it's the right thing. The will of God is the most special place that you can find yourself in. As you find yourself in the perfect will of God, Paul begins to find that he is determined that this is what God has for him. He's going to move forward. 
He's going to do what God has for him. And in your own life, as he uses this statement right here, Christ shall be magnified. And he is dealing with this right here. That word magnified, it means to exalt, to magnify, to make larger, if you would. And oftentimes, the reason that the Christian life, we are not making much of Christ is because we're not taking what John the Baptist said in John 3.30 when he says, I must decrease, but he must increase. You think about that. Oftentimes, we're increasing in our own selves. And he goes on and says, he must increase, but I must decrease. We're such selfish individuals at the core of all of us. What's in it for me? Lord, you want me to serve here, but I'm not getting the recognition. Well, it's not about you getting recognition. If people are coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ, that's all that matters. Hey, if people are being reached, that's all that matters. If the gospel is advancing, that's all that matters. It doesn't matter if you're getting recognized because you should be dead to self anyways. Paul makes that reference, I die daily, and what he is trying to help people understand is a dead person can't say anything. A dead person can't fuss. A dead person can't want this and can't want this because they're dead. As you think about that, in the Christian life, how many times do we have to die daily every single moment of the day? All that flesh is just puffing up. And Paul is making reference here as he says, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always now, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I ask you the same question I've asked you the last couple of weeks. What would it take for you to quit? What would it take for you to give up on God and say, I'm done with all this? What would it take for you to get out of church and to stop reading your Bible and to quit on God and say, Lord, it's just not worth it any longer? Well, in your own personal life, you have to make that decision and say, what would it take? I pray that the answer is nothing. No matter how hard the circumstances are. I love reading stories about individuals who just really gave their life for the cause of Christ. And as I go and I read testimony stories of missionaries, I remember, and I cannot think of his name right off the top of my head, but the book that I've referenced many times, Tortured for Christ. And as he is in prison, he is making a a deal with those who are beating him every single day because he was preaching the gospel. And he makes a deal. He says, listen, I'll make a deal with you. I get to preach the gospel, you get to beat me. I don't know many of us would make that deal. I don't know about you, but that would be a hard deal to make. You beat me every single day that I preach the gospel, but I get to still preach the gospel. He then goes on to get out of imprisonment, and he goes and he begins to, to live a free life, only to go back to preaching the gospel after he was told not to, and he gets thrown back in. Now, I don't, again, I don't know about you, but if I'm getting beat, and then I get out of prison, and they say, don't preach the gospel... It's a hard thing to say, you know what, I think those beatings are worth it. I'm going to go, you know what, it hurts, it hurts, but you know what, I kind of enjoy it. I don't know that that would be something we'd say. But he said, hey, for the cause of Christ, tortured for Christ. As I read through that book, and I, years I've had this book, and I remember just reading through it, and I was like, what in the world? That's bold. Notice what he says in verse number 20. Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. If I live, Christ will be magnified. If I die, Christ will be magnified. And I wonder, with the life that we're living today, every single one of us, if you were to die, would Christ be magnified? 
Let's take it a step further. While you are living as Christ magnified. See, it's easy for us sometimes, and you go and you, you begin to think about when I die. There, there's not very many times when I've been to a funeral and someone began to speak negative things about someone. No, it was they went to church, they loved the Lord. I mean, that's usually what's said. Why? Because you don't want to be mean to a dead person, right? You don't want to hurt the, the family's feelings. You don't want to say those things. And, you, and truth be told, I don't hear very many negative things. And though a dead person's life speaks, a living life speaks as well. And I wonder, is Christ being magnified in your life today? See, Paul was determined whether he was here or he was there, Christ was going to be magnified. Finally, we see this and we'll be done. Paul was dedicated to the Lord. He says in verse number 21, he says, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. This statement, for me to live is Christ, is something that I, I remember being passed this uh, many years ago. For me, it speaks of how personal it is. For me. If I were to talk about Jacob and Jaden, I were to talk about them and their Christian life, I wouldn't say for them. No, I'm personalizing. For me to live. Well, what about me? As we made reference to Peter this past Wednesday and Peter is stepping out of the boat, he doesn't look at the guys and say, hey, y'all want to get out with me? The Lord bid us to come on. No, he says, forget these guys. If they're not going to get out of the boat, I'm getting out of the boat. Lord, bid me to come onto the water. And so it's, it's personal, but it's also practical, as he says, to live. That's something that can be done. It's possible is Christ. As you rest in the Lord, he gives you the grace to move forward. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Paul, in this portion of Scripture, was living for the Lord and he was laboring for the Lord because of who the Lord was in his life. And as the church of Philippi is concerned about Paul, it's as though Paul pauses for a few moments and says, listen, focus. Deep breath. You ever been trying to calm a child down? And they're just frantic. They've gotten hurt and you're, you're sitting there and you're like, deep breath, deep breath. And you're trying to get them to focus. I wonder this morning if that's you. You're frantic. You're concerned. You're worried. You're frustrated. You're flustered. You're going through it. And you're, you're all over the place. And it's as though the Lord has gotten all up in your grill. And he's saying, hey, get your eyes off of all of that. And get your eyes back on me. Focus. Get serious. Depend on me. Quit depending on all the, 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 the abilities that you have. Because those abilities can be taken away from you just like that. And quit depending on all those talents. Because those talents can be taken away just like that. Quit, and quit de- depending on all those experiences. Because those experiences can be wiped away from your memory just like that. Depend on me. I wonder if this morning you're dependent on the Lord. Or maybe you're dependent on all those things. Are you determined to serve the Lord? That Christ will be magnified in your life. You say, well, how do I, how do I get to that point? Dedicate your life to the Lord. To the cause of Christ. You know, in in 2022, and I'm done, you can close your Bibles, I'll close with this. At Gateway Baptist Church, as we continue to grow as a church, as we grow in grace, as we grow in knowledge of the Scripture, as we grow in, obviously, people, as ministries move forward, as ministries grow, the goal is not that we would say, look what we've done. And it's never the goal. The goal is that we would take a step back and say, look what our God has done. In every single ministry, whether you say I'm serving in a small ministry or a big ministry, every ministry is a ministry of the Lord. So every ministry of the Lord is still a ministry that means that you should give 100%. 
And may we depend on the Lord in those ministries. And may we dedicate ourselves to those ministries. And may we be determined that whatever God has for us, and as He sees fit to, to guide us in, that we say, Lord, may you be magnified. I wonder this morning if you need to refocus on some things. You know, we've taken some themes. This year we're taking the theme given. A couple years ago we took the theme looking unto Christ or looking unto Jesus. And I wonder this morning, have you forgotten about that? You know, those themes, they may be emphasized each year, but the goal is that they would be emphasized for eternity. That you be given and it started in 2022. That you be looking unto Jesus and it started in 2020. That you would say, look, this is whenever God began to really work in my life and I began to look unto the Lord on a daily basis and I began to give my life to the Lord and whatever the Lord has for us. Focus. Focus. Where's your focus this morning? Lord, we do thank you, Lord. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. Lord, this morning, maybe there's some Christians here who have focused on all of the problems, all of the circumstances, all of the issues, maybe of their personal life or the issues of life, and Lord, they've missed it. I pray that you would help us this morning. Lord, that we would shift our focus back to you. Lord, I pray that you'd be of those who are hurting. Lord, that you'd strengthen them and remind them that you're still present. It was Paul who, in the midst of all the imprisonment and all the issues he was facing and those who were trying to add bonds to his afflictions, Lord, he still found joy in the midst of it all. Lord, his joy rested in you. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be happy Christians, rejoicing Christians, joyful Christians, Christians that make a difference in Clarksville, Tennessee, the state of Tennessee, this nation. Not because of who we are, but because of who you are. And Lord, that we would magnify you. Lord, help us to be a microscope and a telescope that makes you bigger and bigger. Lord, that Clarksville, Tennessee would say, man, look at what Gateway Baptist Church is doing for the cause of Christ. And Lord, that you would be the center of it all. Lord, help our motives to always be Christ-centered. Lord, help our desires to always be Christ-centered. Help us to rest in you, for it's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.